century number 10 for Brendan Taylor. Adams got the Australian captain. We're talking about Rivada, we're talking about how good he is. And there it is. It's 39th one day international 100. The King gets his crown at the Adelaide Open. Go on, Tegan. Deep in Wigan. Glenn Maxwell celebrates Rick Coley. Cannot believe it in the middle of the ground. Welcome to the DNet Stumps podcast. Zimbabwe's only weekly cricket show with expert analysis by Dean Duplessis. Hello and welcome to the Dean at Stumps podcast. It's me, Dean Duplessis. Great to be with you again. And just in case uh, you are maybe listening to the podcast via a friend of a friend of a friend and you'd like to subscribe, well, it's pretty simple. All you do is go to your preferred podcast app and uh, you search for Dean at Stumps and you subscribe and away you go. And there are some fantastic interviews. There really are from Graham Hick to David Gower to JP Dumini to A.B. de Villiers to Michael Holding and many, many more. And another name who's about to be added to the list, well, he made his debut for Zimbabwe at the age of 18 and retired for Zimbabwe at the age of 21. But he had a very successful career with the English countryside Hampshire. He, of course, is the older brother of Craig, who still plays for Zimbabwe. Sean Irvin, Sluggo, how are you doing, mate? Welcome to the show. Uh, Thanks, Dino. Uh, Thanks for having me on the show. Uh, you're you're absolutely welcome. I see these days you've uh, you've hung up your cricketing boots and gloves, and you've now becoming uh, or you're playing a lot of golf. Is is that something you're doing at a professional level? Yeah. So I mean, when I retired in 2018, I think um, yeah. I mean, it was something that uh, I sort of fell back on. Um, it was sort of uh, it helped me a heck of a lot in the, in the terms in the sense that. You know, it was, I was still challenging myself and I needed something to still challenge myself. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's, I've always sort of been fairly decent at golf. I remember back in 2005 uh, when I sort of started playing out and all the boys on a day off, you know, which was rare back in the counter days, yeah. um, used to head off to the golf course. And I was like, hey, I need to jump on this. So, you know, that's when I sort of started to play fairly regularly and, um, you know, got half decent at it, and then um, and then nowadays, yeah, I try to play. Um, I'm on the the mini tours, so Euro Pro. Um, managed last year, I managed to get a a, a a category on that, so managed to get a few tournaments under my belt. Um, I mean, COVID has just messed it up for every, for me this year. Just messed it up for everyone, really. Yeah. Um, it's put a big uh, sort of span in the work so um, I've decided to actually just knock on the head for, for this year um, and press reset in 2021 so and have you I mean do you still follow Hampshire quite closely in, in the season I mean admittedly again COVID I understand has you know caused havoc with, with everything really but you know do you still have a still keep your finger on the pulse and see how they how they're progressing as a team all the time. I mean, I'm I'm still in touch with a lot of the guys. So, um, yeah, it's a you know it's a re- relationship that I, I sort of cherish and um, and yeah, I, I do. I keep in touch. I mean, the teams change a heck of a lot. They've brought people in and and you know there's new coaching staff from when I was there. So it's um, it's uh, yeah. I mean, it's the guys are doing very well and um, I think there's been a bit of where they're about this this time of the year certainly and, has uh, last few days so 
the T20 is um, just, just started, so they'll be raring to go in that, and, um, and hopefully they can get right up the ladder. All right, then. So let's get into the meat and potatoes, which is always the best part of the meal. Um, let's. Um, how did cricket actually come about? So was there a particular game that you watched? Was there something that really, what actually made you decide that you wanted to try and become a full-time professional cricketer? I remember, um, from the best of my knowledge, I remember... You know, me, me, my dad, uh, I think Craig was old enough then, um, and my granddad, and we used to go down and watch, obviously, you know, the guys playing. So it was Andy and, and Streaky and and Grant and, and a few others, you know, Guy Whittle and, and a few of the other guys. And um, I think even, even to the sense that, like, you know, Bundu and all of them, I think they may have even been playing and, I mean, it was sort of just the just the right of Castle Corn. I don't know if you ever remember that huge stand. I think some of it's still there. Yes, yes. And um, you know, we had the cooler box, and we had you know the deck chairs, and you know, we got there really early. And I, I just I can sort of still feel that sort of excitement as a as a young kid. You know, like and um, and that was the only chance we had of actually watching live cricket um, was actually going to the game. And, um, yeah, I mean, even then, you know, I was, I was cricket mad. Everything I did was, was cricket mad. I mean, as you know, I'll be walking down the road and I'll be practicing my shots or, you know, <laughs> pick up being, pick up a stone and trying to, trying to hit a tree from, you know, 20 odd meters or 10 or 30 meters and, and pretend I'm trying to run someone out. And it, it was, it was crazy. And, um, and then, you know, having, two younger brothers and obviously my dad playing, having played cricket and for, I think, play one game for Rhodesia, but a lot of country district stuff um, and being sort of captain and, and watching him play as well, which, which definitely wanted me to play alongside him. Um, but I mean, yeah, we were at, you know, two, two brothers, you know, the, the amount of, the amount, the amount of games we used to have on the lawns and, and, you know, we used to get dressed up and, you know, like coloured clothing and, you know, used to pretend we were, you know, either South Africa or, or Australia or, or then whatever, you know, colour coordinated yeah. sort of clothes we could get. <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, that's, that's what used to happen. I mean, you know, Ryan was probably a little bit too young and, you know, at the start. So he used to get like sort of 10, 11 chances, you know. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> otherwise you'd just say no I'm not playing and then you'd just sort of wander off and it was never the same you know three was always better you could never sort of you know get a decent game with just two of us and so um, we used to give him a few chances and eventually you realised yeah yeah now I am out now so and you used to sort of you know go in and, and start playing properly so um, but yeah that was probably you know the earliest of sort of desire to try and really sort of yeah, I want to be there one day. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it's so funny that you mentioned, I mean, I obviously, I would vividly remember with the deck chairs and the cooler boxes, you were even allowed to take the, or 
your, as we call them here in Zimbabwe, your, you know, your gas bries, the barbecues uh, for people overseas. You take them in, and you could, you could really have a, make a real family occasion of it while watching the cricket. Um, and it was so different, wasn't it, Slug? Because you would get to the ground an hour before the the game started, and already you you really struggled to find a good place to sit because you know half the ground was was already full, and it, it was quite amazing how it changed. Uh, I guess the character of the game changed over the years. So even when you were playing for Zimbabwe, you would be lucky if the ground would be full by lunchtime. Whereas back in the day when we were a lot younger, that ground was three quarters full before the toss was even uh, had. I 100% agree. I mean, you know, I, I still remember us trying to sort of find a parking and you parking, you know, <laughs> all the way down there. You know, I mean, I don't know the street names all that well, but, yeah. you know, the... the it was you had a good sort of sometimes twenty minute walk, you know, yeah, just to get right. to the sort of main <laughs> gate um, or one of the gates. Yeah, and it was yeah, I mean, it was crazy. And then and you'd stay the whole day, like you say, it's a, a full on um, day out for the family, and you stay the whole day and you watch it. And you used to run around, you know, if you're lucky enough to get one of those small bats, and yeah. you know, you charge around and you know. You know, try and get sort of an autograph and have a competition. You know, with 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 Craig or um, or Ryan or or your mates, and you say, right, let's let's see how many we can get. And I remember I was so so nervous just to ask, you know, these these superstars. You know, like, hey, please can I have an autograph. <laughs> you know, like just like sort of. Well, I mean, we were shy. I mean, we were three boys. Didn't get much sort of. Um, you know, we weren't didn't really have a lot of mates because we were so far out in the in the bush. So um, it was boarding school that sort of got rid of that. But yeah, I mean, it was it was crazy. And then just you know, a few years later, or yeah, quite a few years later, I'm playing alongside these guys. So it was it was a real um, surreal sort of upbringing in, in the sense of from, from cricket point of view. Yeah, yeah. I mean, th- that must have been because, you know, as a, as a young boy and, and sort of early teenage years, you would have watched the, Fl- <clears throat> the Flower Brothers, Alistair Campbell, Murray Goodwin. You even would have seen quite a bit of Murray, Stuart Carlisle. As a young little, little boy, you would have even seen the latter end of Davy Houghton, you know, because he retired in 1997. So you would have been uh, about 15 or so when, when he retired. So you are old enough to <clears throat> watch a couple of his innings. Now, the next thing, you are in the same circle as these guys, you know, so you, you're in the same team as the world's number one ranked test batsman, Andy Flower and, and Grant and Heath Streak. And you got Davy Houghton doing some work with you at the, what was the CFX Academy. I mean, it must have been quite difficult at times for you to take it in and to say, you know, five, six years ago, I was watching these guys. Now I'm actually a part of these guys. Yeah, I mean, even before that, I mean, we we got sort of drafted into this sort of squad of excellence, um, which which Andy's dad uh, Bill used to run. I don't know if you remember it very well. Um, we used to obviously, I think it was Friday afternoons. We weren't involved in school sport. You know, we one of the parents would sort of drive us up to the sports club, and just on the on the sort of at the back there, we used to you know do these sort of drills and. Um, you know, amongst some of the sort of other top top sort of kids in in the other sort of local schools, and um, yeah, I mean that was that was a phenomenal experience for me. You know, because then you know you had Andy sometimes would come in and and you know chat with us, or you know build organise maybe got Whittle to come in and and sort of give us a sort of masterclass and um, 
and yeah, I mean, it was brilliant. I actually remember um, one of the one of the all rounders from New Zealand. I think Zim were playing New Zealand at the time, and he managed to get one of them to come and sit with us. We were watching the game. Oh, nice! And um, I'm trying to think um, their name. What was uh, name maybe was, Dion was, Nash, was Chris Cairns. Um, I, I forget. But, um, that was just phenomenal because we had. I mean. You know, he has a guy from New Zealand who was talking to us about how he holds the ball and, and all that sort of stuff. And we were just in awe, you know, we were just unbelievable. So, yeah, it was. And then, you know, the transition from when I left school to, you know, left school relatively early, straight into the CFX Academy. Um, like you say, worked with Davey, who... I mean, was he's a very good family friend, and I think he was in the same class as my old man at PE. So right. um, they used to play cricket against each other, and they knew um, each other fairly well. Uh, but yeah, Dave used to push us a lot, and then from then, I reckon I I just took off as soon as I started playing winter league cricket. Um, that's when I really got a sense of hang on a second, I just, I can actually progress and, and try and, and really get there so um, that was sort of boys playing with men so um, that's what I felt was was really what took me to another level. And uh, it, it's quite amazing because you made your debut in 2001 as, a, as an 18 year old but you made your debut as a bowling all-rounder so uh, a lot of people well those people who, who followed your career knew that you were more than capable of, of batting probably and many people would have perceived you as a batting all-rounder but you made your side batting way down at number nine so you know some of us w- w- thought that you were in the side more for your bowling and uh, it wasn't too long before eventually you bega- began to go up the order so then suddenly you were at number seven then you were batting ahead of his streak and you were you were an established batsman at number five, how was that something that was always going to happen? How, how did you manage to force your way up the order to get into the middle order, or, or, or was that always something that was just going to be a matter of time as you got a bit older and more experienced? I think I think it was always going to be a matter of time. I guess um, you know you got to you got to remember like we, I was I was as you say I, I definitely started off as a sort of as more of a bowling all rounder, um, but I was. I was always sort of used to bat quite high up in the order anyway, um, but never sort of to open or anything like that. Never, never that high. But you know, obviously, I played a lot of cricket for for Doma, um, and really sort of got pushed into that sort of three. Um, sometimes I sometimes I open, but very rarely. But a three four where I used to you know be the sort of if it wasn't if it wasn't me, it was Dirk, you know, and if Dirk was. Dirk for you, and then if, yeah. if Dirk was away on national duty, then you know I would fill that that hole, and I just made it my own. And you know we used to get loads of runs, and it used to push us all the time, and you know make sure you average this, and then next year you average higher. And so, and then I was renowned to be sort of quite a sort of quick bowler at, at, the, at that level, especially. I mean, I still remember being pushed. This is going back to school days, but I mean. I got drafted in to play first team when I think I was 15, maybe even just 14. Right. And I, by then I was, you know, I used to terrorise the, you know, my own age group. But then my first two wickets for first team against for Lumgundi against Falcon was both stumpings. So then that sort of brought me, brought me down <laughs> to earth a bit. But um, 
I guess over a period of time, and you know, you, you know, Andy, Andy, you know, we had all these guys, Andy and and Alistair and and Stuart Collal, and they were all high up and high up the order, and obviously, you know, they were class class players, and um, and it was just I had to sort of just you know wait wait for my time, but I've all, I've always been, I felt someone who's who used to try and change. The momentum of the game, um, I could, you know, try to give it a whack, um, you know, and even in that first game, uh, I still remember it. I, I think I, had, I made nineteen, I think, and but I a couple of fours, but I, I was trying to give it a whack, and I think, you know, I got given out, caught behind, or flint off, but, um, but, and I always had sort of two bites of the cherry being an all-rounder you know if you didn't work out like you didn't on that day you know seven overs for 57 I think it was yeah, yeah. Um, carted everywhere but then I could obviously have a crack with the bat so uh, I guess I just had to wait my time and then wait for my time and then eventually I'd get, I was going to get given the opportunity to bat a five and in in that particular era, Slug, you you had a bit of uh, you had good competition because you had yourself, who obviously was an all rounder. You had Andy Blignote, who was an all rounder, and you also had Travis Friend, who was more than capable as well. So, did you guys ever push each other in the national team? Did you did the one ever try to outdo the other one? Was there a bit of uh, competition amongst the the all rounders? Um, there probably there probably was, but I definitely didn't know about it. Um, obviously, Andy and Blitch and Trav were obviously a lot older than me. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I was just sort of a bit like a, you know, just happy to be there, sort of um, feeling, especially at the start, and just to try and and get as many games as I could and as quick as possible. If you know what I mean, just I yeah. just wanted to play all yeah. the time and yeah. and being and being sort of involved in the whole setup, you know, because as soon as I had a taste of it, then that was it. You know, that's. That's exactly what I wanted, and and nothing, you know, was going to try take it away from me. So I was, I'd, I'd try to do everything that I possibly could. Um, as a young kid, though, um, I remember we had obviously we had made my debut with England when they toured, and then we left. I think we had a a Sharjah tournament. That's right. And then went on to Sri Lanka. I think Bangladesh, or, or the other way around, Bangladesh and then Sri Lanka, and. The workload from obviously playing sort of, you know, started play first class cricket and because of the transition happened so quickly that my body just wasn't able to sort of maintain that. It hadn't been sort of reached that level yet. And that's when I did a, a stretch fracture in um, I think the back end of the Bangladesh uh, trip, part of that trip. So uh, that sort of kicked me out, sort of kept me out of the game for a for a few few months, so um, I missed that sort of initial stage, but it definitely made me sort of gave me that taste of of what I wanted, and and yeah, I, mean, I loved it, absolutely loved it. And your your debut, your your first Test match would have been against England at Lords, if my memory serves me correctly, back in two thousand and three. <laughs> Unfortunately, Zimbabwe their record at they played two Tests at Lords and they've played very very badly. I don't know if it's just simply because the pitches back in those years were greener than what they are now. And uh, Zimbabwe always had the raw deal because they always played right in the beginning of the season, so it was damp, it was cold, and the England seamers basically just had a field day. But it must have been quite amazing for you to actually 
you know, walk out onto that, that hallowed turf <laughs> at Lords. And although you didn't get onto the honors board, Zimbabwe didn't play particularly well. But, you know, you, you were still a part of it. It must have been an immensely uh, proud moment in your young career at that stage. You know, Dino, um, you know, 14 years playing county cricket, I now know why we really struggled because playing, playing a game in May was a test match especially. Uh, was geez, that was hard work. I mean, I've never, I've never seen the ball swing so much in all my life at that time. And um, I mean, M- Mark Butcher actually bowled, and and he he swung it more than anyone. And I, we just couldn't understand how or or why because we we just couldn't do it. And um, it was only after sort of that test match. I mean, that we we spoke with Andy and. And he gave us a few sort of extra pointers that, that you know the county guys were using, you know, like sort of um, you know different stuff like movements and and all that, and you know that was giving the guys extra sort of swing. And it was um, it was only then that we tried that, but which which helped. But you know, like I was so raw. Um, we I don't think I knew. I just tried to run in and try bowl as quick as I could. Um, and yeah, I mean, we we really struggled. Obviously, at, you know, Jimmy Anderson he he made his test debut that day as well. Right, so that, that game, um, and he's still going, which is brilliant. But yeah, I mean, it was just a it's just a phenomenal feeling. Um, you know, I've played there sort of a dozen times now, and yeah, it's still it's still the same. Who, do you remember who gave you your test cap? Do you remember who did that? Uh I don't. I still remember. Obviously, my first, my first wicket um, was Anthony McGrath, and I was his first Test wicket. Oh. I do remember that. <laughs> wow. um, but I don't remember who, who gave me my cap. To be fair. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And then, of course, you you then slowly but then surely started, as you rightly say. I mean, it was it was a nightmare for anybody, by the way. But it was always Zimbabwe because they were the lowest ranked Test nation. Or back in two thousand and three, they were still above Bangladesh. But even so, they they weren't really respected by by England. To be fair. So um, anyway, they they got a very tricky pitch to play on. Um, but then Australia. Then things started coming together nicely for you in Australia. So. It was an incredible game that you were a part of. Matthew Hayden broke the world record with his innings of 380. But you actually didn't have a bad game. You picked up four wickets and you scored 53, batting at number nine still in those days, way down at number nine. Uh, and, you know, gave a, a good account of yourself, despite the fact that Zimbabwe lost by a long way. Was it was that the Jeff Marsh influence? Was he beginning to, to work quite hard with you as a coach and trying to get you to, um, I suppose, dig a bit deeper in terms of, of batting and, and even work hard again on your bowling after that stress fracture? Um. Yeah, he had he had a huge part to play in in my whole sort of international career for sure. Um, he he used to push me as much as any anyone really, but he was very hands on. You know, he's he was uh, he was brilliant like that, and and he used to try and and push you as an individual. You know, you try to get better all the time, and and you know, enough was never enough, and. Um, he, I know. Obviously, I went when I went over to Australia, you know, to recover from my stress fracture. I had to sort of try and remodel 
um, some of my action and I used to fall away. I still did afterwards, but not as bad. Right. I worked with Dennis, Lily, and um, and a few of the guys at the Western Australia Sports Institute. And um, and yeah, and while obviously that was happening, he also drilled me on in the nets and he said, "Look, you you're more than capable to go out the order, and um, you just need to work harder and harder and harder." And um, I think everyone who's ever been coached by by Swampy will. Will we'll say the same. He just he, he, he just to keep on going all the time, and um, and then yeah, I mean it, yeah, that game, geez, what a what an innings. Um, I think sort of some of the the sort of moments that I still remember from that game. I think it was probably twelve or thirteen overs in to to that test match. He he asked for his baggy green cap to come on, and and so we thought, well, to hell with this. Oh. I think we put four guys back and we tried to bounce him and he was just either hitting it on the floor or just, you know, if you wanted to clear it, just clear it. And um, it was just one of those games where he just, everything, you know, we tried, he just was was better. Um, I, I was a little bit disappointed in, in, in Mark Vermeulen, Rex. He, he dropped him on 3-3-5. Which would have been my fifth, to be That's fair, right. which is a sitter. But, <laughs> <laughs> but by then, I mean, Jeepers, we were just we just wanted to get off the field. I mean, yeah, it was it was carnage, absolute carnage that game. But he, he's such an he was such an intimidating batsman, wasn't he, Matthew Hayden? Because he he stands what six foot five, and he's such a powerful man. You know, like he looks a bit like he reminds me of the Terminator, and and just the way that he even the quicker bowlers, bowlers who are, who were quicker than you, he he would just walk down the wicket, not run, but not charge, but walk down the wicket, use his his height but then use that incredible strength. And, I mean, there was nothing too pretty about what he did, but, wow, he was he was a real bully boy, wasn't he? Yeah, he absolutely was. But I'll tell you, I'll tell you what, he, uh, I mean, everyone's renowned, you know, most, especially in Zimbos. I mean, everyone's renowned to sort of, you know, take a few bats here and there. Yeah. And I'll tell you that the guys were lining up after that test match to go and go into his, his change room and into his cricket bag and whip those bats up. I tell you, <laughs> they were huge. And I don't think anyone had ever seen bats like that. And we, were, <laughs> we were all queuing up. Yes, please, we'll take one of those things. And then Slug, and then, and then let's talk about your your first and your only, unfortunately, your only one day international hundred for Zimbabwe. So we kind of knew something like like this was on the cards because before you you got that hundred, they were the coaching staff and I suppose Streaky were were bringing you up the order. So as opposed to you batting at that appalling number nine position, suddenly you you were coming up the order and you were finishing off the innings quite nicely with a, a very quick fire thirty or forty not out. And then suddenly we see you batting at number five. You've got this tall, strongish built left-hander in the middle order, which is exactly what Zimbabwe needed. And you really made it count. First time, no, second time batting at number five. Uh, First time was against South Africa in a triangular series in England. And you you look promising, but unfortunately, you know, obviously on on a tricky pitch, you didn't score too many. But now this time you made it count with a hundred against against India, what I mean, what was that like? Because you, you you didn't bat like a number nine batsman. So in other words, you didn't just try and whack it all over the place from the get go. You were very clever in working the ball into the gaps and running hard with with Stuart Carlisle. So did Stewie have quite a bit to say to you, being so experienced batting with with Carlisle? Yeah, he did. I mean, he helped me along as as did everyone really. I mean. You know, I used to used to love sort of you know picking everyone's brains and stuff, but about batting. But 
it, that actually sort of progressed from way earlier. I think there was a, I think it was the World Cup against New Zealand. Um, I think it was me and Streaky. We were, you know, really struggling against. I think it was in Bloemfontein. That's, that's correct. Um, Streaky, I think, got seventy odd in the end. I came in. I think it actually might still be a World Cup record. To be fair, um, that partnership we got sixty odd and three overs, and that sort of showed the potential that you know I was obviously could could whack it and and then I had probably through word of mouth with you know going through obviously David Houghton probably um, the fact that I was sort of playing in all these sort of first class games and 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 the TFX Academy obviously right up the order. Um, and could work it into gaps and things like that. And then um, I think it was we played a game against India, I think it was at the Gabba, and, you know, the guys were struggling and we, were, we actually had a chance to win and we sort of just needed a little bit of sort of momentum and stuff. And I remember coming in and just going from ball one type thing, yeah, and, yeah. And, but it was more like sort of not just trying to hit it for for sixes and stuff, but it was it was just picking the gaps and things like that. So, I I mean over the years I learnt enough about how to sort of you know create innings and and, and sort of making innings up. So when they got given the opportunity, when they said, "Look, you get a batter five, I was yeah, absolutely, let's let's do this. Um, and I have to say, it was one of the best pitches I've ever batted on. Um, <laughs> Adelaide Oval. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, one of the most beautiful grounds I've I've ever played at. But um, yeah, it was it was just one of those those games where, or one of those days that you know everything sort of came off nicely, and 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 you know when we wanted to pick up, you know the run rate it did, and when we needed to sort of sit down and and just like sort of build a partnership with with Stewie, we did, and and the risk we took sort of came off, and we just batted yeah amazingly together, and. Um, yeah, we both spoke to each other about it and, and which, you know, bowlers to target. I think it helped, obviously, me being sort of left-handed and hit-right-handed and having that and obviously that, that partnership and, you know, mean, meant the left-arm spinner, you know, Kartik couldn't sort of, you know, bump the right-handers down and, um, and I could sort of take a few risks, obviously, the ball coming into me. So, yeah, it was obviously unfortunate how it happened how it finished but you know three, I think we lost by three runs in yeah, the end yeah. but yeah I'll, I'll, I'll always remember that as a as a massive sort of moment in my career for sure but, but, but it's disappointing though Slug isn't it because you find yourself in a situation where you say I don't actually know what is worse being comprehensively beaten or getting into a position where you could and should have won the game and then falling short by three runs because you and, and Stewie worked so hard in that partnership of just over 200 um, I, I know that you are both very disappointed in how you got out, but it, it, it is a bit of a shame that the rest of the batting weren't able to get Zimbabwe over the line after the hard work you two did to get the team into the position that they were. Yeah, I mean, but we were we were obviously a, you know, we, we had a lot of young guys in as well, um, and it, it, it is hard when you know it takes a, takes a proper talent to sort of come in right then and and just start sort of teeing, teeing off and, and being successful at that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, often you have two guys getting hundreds and you're chasing a total, I think it was 280 and, and not being able to get over the line. Um, but, I mean, unfortunately, that, that's that's what happens yeah. in, in sport. And, 
Um, most guys want to get hundreds and, and win games. That, that it means obviously the hundreds are more sort of um, re- rememberable, yeah. I guess, yeah. um, rather than scoring and, and not getting over the line. But um, it is what it is, and um, yeah, I'll, I'll still remember it for a long time. And, and so you should. So you should as well. But. Um, uh, and, and little did we know that all sorts of not very nice things were happening behind the scenes. So Zimbabwe come back from Australia. They have a, a reasonably successful time of it against Bangladesh in Zimbabwe. You had a wonderful test match, the first test at Harare Sports Club with your back-to-back half centuries, which earned you the man of the match. Uh, the one-day series was okay, not, not particularly good cricket by both sides because uh, the pitches, I remember, weren't the greatest due to the incessant rain that we actually had that time of the year, which was a bit strange. But little did we know, Slug, that not very nice things were happening behind the scene in terms of Zimbabwe. We didn't know that you were on the verge of, of signing a contract for Hampshire, which would change your, your career and your life. You were now going to be playing county cricket for the rest of your career, and that would be that from a Zimbabwean perspective. How did that come about? So, I mean, this, <clears throat> to be honest, the, the way the, the whole, how it ended... That started way before, um, probably around, I, I guess, the, uh, early 2003. Um, it, it sort of started and started filtering in and, and all that. And you could tell, I mean, even through obviously what Andy and Henry did at the World Cup yeah. um, and, and and progressing. And I remember that part of the series because um, we had picked a, a really up of our strongest team um, and I remember Streaky getting told look this team has to change and Streaky didn't want to do it he says how can you, you tell someone that you you know they're playing and then for them to be told later on that actually you're not playing um, that was just massively unfair and rightly so and so um, we ended up playing the first game with our full strength team and we absolutely hammered them um, and then the second team the second game you know, we actually sort of played practically our, our B side really, and and then we got we we got hammered ourselves. ourselves. And then um, I think from memory, we just went up with the full strength again and and managed to win the last one to to win the series. But um, yeah, I mean, it was it was just a, an absolute shame. And I remember sitting down with with all the guys, and I remember speaking to to the guys, and I just said, look, um, I'm 21. Um, you know the situation with um, the farms was happening as well, and yeah. you know it, it just didn't look like a like a future that was that was gonna go anywhere really. Um, and I sort of made that decision along with my parents to say, look, you know, try and make it somewhere else if you can. Um, now I had I had actually. Back in 2003, when it had all started, um, uh, we had Bruce Reed as our bowling coach. Obviously, Jeff Marsh was our batting coach, and um, and Chuck Chuck actually said, "Look, um, how's everything going?" He could probably sense it, to be fair, yeah. in, in the change room. Yeah. And I said, "Look, it's not going so well. You know, there's a couple of times been left out, and I thought I probably should be playing." And um, anyway, he said, "Look, I'm." Obviously, good friends with Paul Terry, who was the Hampshire uh, coach at the time, and he said, "Look, have a chat with him, see what he says." Obviously, I believe you've 
um, you've got the right passport and all that sort of stuff. And so, I said, yeah, sure. I mean, I'll, I'll have a chat. So we had a, I had a chat with him. Um, the bottom foyer of one of the hotels that we're staying at, and he said, "Look, I'll be keen to sort of sign you up. Um, if I, I'll, I'll put a contract there. Um, it won't be. This is 2003, so he said you won't start 2003, you won't start 2004, but it's, it's there in 2005 if you want it. So I had that at the back of my sort of as a sort of as a cushion, really." Um, it was still going to be a huge decision to walk away from international cricket, absolutely. Um, especially when, you know, I, you know, something you've worked your whole sort of life to try and, and achieve and, and try and, and get to. And, um, you know, I had sat down with all the guys uh, at one, one day when, you know, we were having sort of meetings about, obviously, practice and when we were going to go back. And I remember sitting down and saying, look, guys, I'm, I'm out. I'm, I'm going to try and, and progress and make it somewhere else. And I remember the guys weren't too happy about it because, you know, the whole the whole um, consensus was to try and stick together as a group. Um, but I just couldn't see it going anywhere. And I, and I wanted to, you know, progress on cricket and, and I felt that was the only way I, that I could. Um, so, I, you know, drafted up a letter um, which I think I've still got, actually. Um, right, right. And, you know, the lawyer um, had a look at it and originally said, um, I resigned from Zimbabwe cricket, but he said, no, you've got to change that to retired. Otherwise, you know, yeah, I think other things could happen. So I had to put retired and went into Vince Hogg on the 10th of May and, and handed in 2004 and handed in my letter. And along with my dad, who I think... Um, I think all three of us were in tears at the end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's 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 in a way that's sad, but it's also nice to know because Graham Hick, when uh, I interviewed him, and he said when he left Zimbabwe, obviously it was a very different situation. You know, he he certainly had no regrets or he, no um, nostalgia. Whereas it is, it's in a way, it's nice to know that you shed a tear, and I can assure you, you weren't the only one. There were many fans who were desperately upset. But then, before we, we briefly talk about your career with Hampshire, there was a time when you decided that maybe, maybe it wouldn't be a bad idea to come back just before the 2011 World Cup. And um, it had been made public that you had indeed signed a contract, uh, but unfortunately negotiations fell through. Well, that's what we were led to believe. What, what, what actually happened there, Slug? Um, so, when I, I was, uh, I'd come over, um, I think I was on holiday um, seeing the folks, and um, uh, I had got chatting with um, Alistair Campbell, um, spoke to Campbell, went into the office there, because he was, I think, running ZC at the time, and, look, would you be keen to come back? And I said, look, I'm not sure about it. He said, look, this is what we'll do, and, and all that, and I said, look, I've still got another year of my contract with Hampshire. Um, you know, I'll obviously have to go back and, and talk to them about it, but I'd, I'd love to, you know, come back and, and, and play for Zim. You know, it was Zim sort of just sort of started to sort of pick up and um, and just the thought of playing alongside Craig would have, you know, was was probably one of the, the main reasons really, to be honest. Um, and, um, and he said, no, that's fine. Go back, speak to Hampshire um, and then let me know. Um, and I said, look, I don't obviously don't don't do any don't mention anything. Don't 
relief set out that I'm going to play or put me in any squads or anything because obviously it's just I'd rather I speak to Hampshire first before anything gets done. It's, it's just the right way to do it. Um, and you know, a couple of days later, I got a phone call from uh, Director Cricket Giles White um, at Hampshire saying, you know, you know what the what the hell's yeah. going on here? Like, you know, I see you your name in the thirty man squad for for Zim. Um, and I, yeah, I was just fuming. But at the same time, I could, I, I could absolutely understand from from Cumber's um, position because he had to release the thirty man squad, you know, by a certain deadline for the ICC. Otherwise, if otherwise, you wouldn't you wouldn't be included. So it was just one of those things that it, it just you know, if, if he had told me, then I would have been able to you know ring Hampshire a little bit earlier and just say, look. This is what's going to happen, so don't don't get a don't get a massive shock. But yeah. it was just unfortunate that it happened. And then um, obviously, I still I went ahead. Uh, we went across to Barbados, I think, um, on pre-season for Hampshire, and I, I still hadn't made a final decision. I don't think I signed anything yet either. So, um, and then it was a couple of things like we had a, I, t- I had to test the water a bit. So I said, look. Can you put in a sort of like a deposit into my account uh, by a certain date? I think it was something like the, I don't know, it was like the 12th of February or something like that, um, which gave them sort of like a month to do so. And it wasn't a lot, to be honest. It was it was a tiny bit. But I, I, needed, I needed to test the water to, to see if it was, you know, if they were really wanted me there, it definitely would have been done. And it never, never went through. So, and then I obviously rang, come and I said, look, what's going on? Like, and he said, no, no, we'll do it, we'll do it. And I said, you know what? It's just, I'm not going to mess around there. And I'm just going to say, look, I'm, I'm not going to do it. So, and then I pulled out. And then, yeah, obviously from then on, it just, it just never sort of, from then on, I just never really had the sort of desire or, or the capacity to, to come back really. And then um, a couple of years later, Obviously, Streaky got involved, and um, you know the you know BT started coming back, and Jav uh, came back, and you know the guys were like telling me, "Listen, we need you to come back." And I was obviously still playing really well at the time, and um, and I, th- I thought, yeah, yeah, maybe I'll go back for a bit, you know, and finish off my career there. But it never really sort of panned out, so. It's such a shame, though, isn't it, Sean? Because one, and this is just from a lighter note. Now, uh, on a lighter note, I'd, what would I'd like you to try and and explain what it would have been like. So we know how the Flower Brothers batted together for Zimbabwe. Obviously, left hand, right hand. But in terms of their understanding, when when they rotated strike, you know, you often you wouldn't even hear them say yes, no. They would just certainly me as a blind person. I I was sometimes taken by surprise because to me, I'd hear the bat hit the ball, and I would think it's a defensive, you know, forward defence, and. In the meantime, these two Fly Brothers have scurried through for a quick single. So they rotated the strike, but they also upped the ante when needed to be. Uh, I wonder what it would have been like with you and Craig if you and Craig had been together in a partnership. I wonder what the differences would have been between the Flower Brothers versus the Irvin Brothers. Yeah, I mean, it, there wouldn't be a lot of feet movement, put it that way. <laughs> um, <laughs> the... Uh, I mean, we. I think we even played. We played one game together where all three of us actually played, which was a, like a Southern Rocks versus yes. Namibia, yeah. um, which was quite fun. 
but yeah, I mean, even in, um, you know, used to bat together a lot um, for Doma, um, and yeah, the understanding was was there all the time, and and we used to have great fun in the middle. So yeah, it's I suppose any other sort of you know sibling, um, you know, if they do something together, uh, you know, you you be on on the same wavelength for sure. So. It, it it would have been would have been great. It was just a shame it never happened. But um, it's good to see Craig obviously doing so well for them. Uh, so Craig would have peppered the offside with those very those incredible cover drives. Wow! I mean, those cover drives of his are, are something special, aren't they? And you, I would imagine, would have been a bit stronger through through the leg side with those slog sweeps of yours. Would that would that be right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. I mean, you know, obviously everyone. Everyone knows that Craig went through a sort of a really bad um, accident when he was twelve or thirteen, um, and you know but that guy. I tell you, you know, we Ryan, Ryan, I feel like has got sort of most of the sort of talent. I reckon Ryan has probably more talent than than myself and Craig. Right. Um, I had talent, um, and then Craig has has been sort of the the least uh, the least talented guy, but he's probably worked the hardest and um, and boy I mean he he had that sort of left hand that right hand in in a cast and he couldn't do anything and he just used to go on out on the lawn and pick up a ball and start throwing left handed oh, and wow. before you knew it he could and wow that's unbelievable and made the Zim team sort of batting right handed and then when his you know his right hand got sort of you know, strong enough. Then he went back to left hand, and yeah, it was just phenomenal. Um, and yeah, just to, to watch him sort of progress has, has been brilliant. And but yeah, I mean, he's he's probably more of offside, and um, and me probably yeah, things like sort of slog sweeps and hacking it around the corner and <laughs> things like that. So. Yeah. Oh, well, well, it could have, would have, should have, uh, but we can't cry over spilt milk. <laughs> so <laughs> t- tell me about yeah. your, tell me about your time with Hampshire. I mean, one of the, one of the things that I, I imagine probably would have been the most incredible experience, love him or hate him, but to be captained by the legendary Shane Warne for a couple of seasons, that must have been very special. Warne, that, that was, that was a phenomenal sort of experience to, to witness, um, you know, He's he's just a for someone who has a his cricket awareness, cricket brain is just unbelievable. Um, you know, I've seen him make decisions that you there's ten other guys in the field that go, you know, I'm not sure about this, and it and it just comes off. Mm. Um, and then from then on, it's it's everyone's everyone's a believer, like hundred um, percent. You know, I could tell you so many stories about. You know, think like declarations when you know. I remember one one game we're playing against Knotts and Steve, Stephen Fleming, who's a very good mate of his, is playing for Knotts and and we sort of he's discussing him just before the fourth day and he said, yeah, we'll give you two hundred and twenty odd and seventy odd overs, and we're thinking, what? Yeah. Like there's ways, and he said, no, watch. And anyway. Flem got a hundred and then tried to sort of tee off and get the game done and hit one in there, um, got caught and then from then on he brought in Chris Tremlett, who obviously everyone's seen him play for England and big tall and he just said, Look, 
you have to bowl the speed of light. And I think he took five wickets, but all were sort of caught down the leg side to uh, a temporary John Crawley keeper. Oh, my goodness. Uh, Nick, Poth, <laughs> Nick Pothis had done a finger. Right. And then we had Warney on the other end, um, who <laughs> just, just spun them out. You know, didn't have to do much, really. But his belief in, in everything, in just the ability to, to win, he just believed he could win and do it every single time. And that that sort of sort of filters it down into into the way we all played our cricket. And I remember when I when he left, the one thing I said to him, I said, Mate, from now on, you've changed from from when I first started playing with you, you've changed the way I, I uh, approach cricket and, and play my cricket. I just sort of before it was, you know, like have a good time and obviously do really well and stuff, but he had that sort of that grit and that winning sort of mentality and that, that changed the way for me yeah, from that. Because because you're, you you seem to mature very much as a batsman after he left the county as well. You know, you, you didn't just, as you say, go out there and, and try and express yourself from ball one. You you really got yourself into, and the team, more importantly, into a position where you could then start to express yourself. And I, I guess a lot of that also had to do with that magnificent 237 not out that you scored against Somerset, which would have been in, in 2010. I imagine you you uh, that'll be one of the highlights of your career with Hampshire that double hundred yeah it was I mean we we hadn't won when I arrived in 2005 we hadn't won a, a trophy in 13 years and and you know back then the, the, we used to call it the CNG which was 50 over comp and um, he it was a knockout stage so if you lost the game that was it and they, it's a bit like FA Cup sort of uh, set up so you, you sort of get drawn out of a sort of hat you got to play a sort of like a minor county side and who had good good players and we drew Shropshire and we actually head up there and, and play on a field that's sort of at a 45 degree angle. Right. Um, and um, and it just played some phenomenal cricket but it all all came down to, to Warney um, and his ability to sort of believe in everyone and, and say right each individual had a role to play and, and that was that. But, um, but from then on I've I got sort of pushed probably about sort of not even halfway through that competition. Um, I got pushed up up the order to to back at three. And um, whether that was through an injury to someone else or, or not, I'm not sure. But, um, you know, I was batting three. KP was batting four. You know, we had John Crawley and Nick Potter's opening the bat. Uh, we had Shane Watson who came in. We had Tom Kadich. I mean, we had an unbelievable team. Uh, even Greg Lamb was in there as well. So, yeah, I believe um, so. Yes. <laughs> and, um, and I mean, yeah. And we just we won games where, where it was just you know we shouldn't have won games. I mean, chasing three hundred and sixty and fifty overs and winning it with two overs to spare. You just don't win games like that. But he gave us the the belief that we could. Um, and yeah, I mean, there's been a couple of sort of memories and 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 games that have sort of you know I've I cherished over the years with Hampshire. Um, some of them not even um, not even hundreds, but just sort of certain innings that sort of have counted. You know, and and like I mentioned before, you know, you know when you play in innings and and you win those games, that's 
that that's when it means yes. even more. Yeah, that uh, I'm sure can sometimes mean a lot more than a hundred uh, if you're there at the end and you've made sure that you've won the game. I would imagine. And KP Kevin Peterson, what is it like sharing a dressing room with him? That must have been quite uh, interesting as well at times. Yeah, it was. Um, you know, KP. I remember playing firstly first against KP. Um, I think I was 15. Uh, playing for the under-19s and Zimmerman 19s, we played a game against Natal at, I think it was Alex Sports Club. Right. And um, he was just announcing out Ostliner, who he never even, you know, he never even batted. But he he was a, he was a cocky um, Ostliner. <laughs> not, not quite, um, not quite as, uh, as aggressive as Pricey. Uh, <laughs> but he was just cocky, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, uh, and he, yeah, he just used, obviously I was a young kid and that, and used to sort of abuse me and all that. So I said, yeah, whatever. Um, <laughs> I had that wonderful ability to just shut it out. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> and then next day, 2005, the walk in, and sure enough, there he is. And I pulled him up and I said, right, you, you were a little cocky and used to abuse me. I was only a little 15 year old kid. And he laughed and he said, yeah, no, I was, I was, I was a nightmare back then. And, and all that, and yeah, we get on really well even now. So, really? um, yeah, it's what a what a talent though, Chief. Yeah. Um, you know, he just he just sort of just leapfrogged everyone else, and just that was it. He just took took the world apart, really. Um, yeah, phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal yeah. talent. Absolutely. Well. Sean, uh, it's a nice way to end this conversation off. It's, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Thank you for taking time out. We, we obviously are very sad that we never saw the best of you as an international cricketer. I always remember Ryan McLaren, the South African who played with you, tweeting and yeah. saying, I, I desperately wish Sean Irvin had played more international cricket because he is a special talent. Um, if there was one thing that you maybe could have sort of, if, if you could turn back the time and that you would have done differently, is there anything that you would have done differently or are you happy with the way that things worked out for you as a cricketer? Um, geez, that's a good question. I mean, there's, I'm sure there's a few things. Uh, you know, everyone, it's a bit like, it, it's, it's dangerous hindsight because you, I think everyone goes through and say, hey, I really wish I'd I known what I know now back then. And um, and it, it's dangerous, but there's there's not a heck of a lot. I mean, i, I I've got so many wonderful memories, you know, from, you know, I remember Craig Wishart buying me my first, you know, lobster. I remember him saying, right, Slug, I'm going to buy you a lobster. I'm just going to be your first one. And that was at the some restaurant in Sri Lanka, right. you know, and there's 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 moments like that, that I'll always forever remember. Um, I remember batting with Craig and, and Ryan in that game. Um, you know, there's even coming back playing for the Southern Rocks and, you know, scoring that double hundred and a hundred in the same game, um, but there's these wonderful things that we we all did on tour. You know, like and we used to all get along really well. And um, no, those those are the memories that that I've always cherished mm. for a long, long time. Yeah, absolutely. Slug, thank you very, very much indeed for your time. Wishing you the best with your golfing career and your little family that you're getting together. And uh, it's it's always been a pleasure. And we also hope that that your brother Craig uh, continues to to do what he does. He's a he's a very special player who doesn't really get enough recognition. And just uh, continue to wish all of you guys the very, very best. 
Uh, cheers, Dina. Hopefully we'll have a beer in Zim soon. <laughs> that would be very great. <laughs> You've been listening to Dean at Stumps, Zimbabwe's only weekly cricket podcast. 